Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Ubuntu Podcast. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Ubuntu Podcast. We are on Season 2, Episode 2. We've got a great conversation lined up for you guys today. We'll be talking about uh, Black Lives at the Polls. And I am here with my two co-hosts. Hanok Yoma, what's up, bro? How's it going, guys? Super excited to be here. Thank you, guys. Uh, Really happy for Season 2. David Curtis. We call him DC. What up? DC in LA. What's good, fam? What's good? Hey. <laughs> so I'm so excited for this conversation with you guys. As you all know, we're in the heart of an election year, both in the United States and abroad, you know, in countries like Uganda and Ethiopia. At the same time, we're at a pivotal moment just across the world in which the plight of black lives has really come to the forefront now more than ever. Today, we'll be hearing two great perspectives on the importance of black lives, specifically at the polls, both in the United States and throughout Africa. Kamani Harris and Sharpie Maluba will be joining us, and they bring distinctive voices to this conversation. Kamani is a community organizer in South Central LA who is passionate about Black civic politics, and Sharpie, who is an international student, um, has a great passion for civic engagement and has some experience working with uh, the government in his home country of Zambia. So as you'll listen, you'll notice that we provide some commentary on some of the key things that stuck out to us as we kind of reflected on the conversation we had with them. So we hope you find it as informative as we did. So Kamani, as you know, this is a pivotal time for Black lives and Black voices. Could you share your thoughts on why this period of time and this moment in history has been a catalyst for widespread unity against systemic injustice? And more importantly, how do we use this to find our voices as we vote? Okay, one thing that I feel like has been special um, during this period in um, our history when it comes to widespread unity against systemic injustice, um, I think social media has really brought to the forefront different things that have been happening all over, not just the nation, but the globe. So, you know, back in the day, um, if stuff happened, people in the area probably knew about it and whatnot, and maybe the news caught it. But, you know, with media such as like the news and whatnot, they can't easily they can present the information in a very biased way versus now where it does still happen but because of social media when things happen you can quickly record it and put it on social media and everyone can see it and I think that's one of the things that's great about social media and that's a big part of why see such a huge movement when it comes to systemic injustice or social justice um, people from all over the nation all over the globe are able to weigh in on different things because they're able to see it so if you can see it you can't really unify you can't talk about it but because we're able to see everything so quickly um, and talk to people everywhere I think that's why we're seeing more of a united movement in the nation but as well as the globe I also think you know a lot of people don't like Gen Z and I think they're pushing the envelope a lot and I think what's different about them is their boldness they are very bold in a way that previous generations haven't been bold 
and it's not just when it comes to racial issues, it comes to issues around sexuality, issues around gender, things of that nature. So I'm going to also give it up to Gen Z because they're really pushing the envelope. And I was actually reading a book probably like a month ago that was talking about what shifted during the civil rights movement and why it didn't last as long as it did. It, um, it talked about how when people got of a certain age, um, people start thinking about, you know, I want this type of job, you know, I have to settle down this way. So they kind of, you know, backed away from the bold, bold demands and the protests and things of this, um, that nature. And what we see now is Gen Z and then younger millennials, we're very creative. So a lot of us aren't taking regular like office jobs. We're not taking jobs where, you know, we're censored in what we can do and what we say. So I also think that has paved the way for people to really be themselves. People to really speak boldly about what they believe and um, people to become united in a different way. Yeah, so those are the things I think about when it comes to the social justice movement and widespread unity right now. Okay, so knowing the Black vote is so critical, how do we address resistance against our vote and how has that happened historically and currently? I think we translate that into voting by realizing that voting is not the answer. And I know a lot of people say, you know, you vote and that's how you bring about change. Voting is a starting point. It's about holding these people, politicians, whoever we vote in accountable for the things they said they're going to do. It's not enough for us to vote for a candidate that we think like leans more towards our politics. Like they can lean towards our politics, but we are not able to put pressure on enough pressure on them and they actually like go with what the community wants, then it really doesn't matter. I think even with like people who aren't able to vote yet, just using your voice on social media, you know, protesting, you know, being a part of organizations that are doing community organizing, things of that nature. I think that's really how we can translate it. Thanks for those powerful thoughts, Kamani. As we're finding our voices at the polls in the States, we know that there are systemic challenges that seek to minimize the minority voice in the U.S. and abroad. Sharpie, can you also talk a bit about the effect of some of those systemic efforts in Africa, such as the effect of colonialism and other exported systems on the current electoral state? I think that there's the effect of colonialism and other exported system to Africa on the current electoral state of many countries within the continent. So let's start with the colonialism. You know, most of the constitutions that African countries have were initially written by the their colonial masters. So for example, in Zambia, the constitution that we have was initially written by the British. So some of the things in the constitutions are outdated. So for example, let's talk about uh, the electoral system, the voting, and all those. So you would find that during the colonial, uh, when, Brit- when Britain was in charge and during the colonial masters rule in Africa, they tried by all means to suppress black voters or African voters. So they made it difficult for people who, uh, for example, are not able to read or are not able to uh, maybe to travel and go and vote. Like they made it very, very difficult. So there's there was a lot of voter uh, suppression, like where the white minority or the European minority who were in Africa as colonial masters had more power to vote than the Africans. So that manipulation of the constitution has continued even today uh, because a lot of leaders in Africa, whenever they see that people want to change, people are tired of their incompetence, of their corruption, of their nepotism, 
of all the bad stuff that happens, they will try by all means to manipulate the constitution, to change the constitution so that it can suit their own agendas, so that it can give them more power, so that they can go and run again. So don't get it twisted. Yes, it's very, very difficult to beat an incumbent. But I also think that the people in power usually make it difficult for voters to vote. For example, like um, in Zambia, we have about 9 million people who are eligible to register as voters or to vote. But the country, the organization that is in charge of running the elections, the electoral, the electoral commission of Zambia decides to give only 30 days. For me, I think that is one other way of voter suppression because you cannot make 9 million people to vote. So yes, uh, there are a lot of people who are able to know about it because in the city, you watch TV, you have social media and all that. Yeah, it's easy, like those people can do it. But still, even them, a lot of people work a lot of people have jobs so i feel that three months for nine million people is very small worse the people in the rural zambia who do not have access to social media and other uh, electronic medias and uh, also print media they won't even know that this is what has been instituted so by the time they will know that all oh, the voters uh, registration has started, it will be too late. It would have been already passed. But I think that it is important that the Electoral Commission of Zambia is transparent. It is important that the bodies who are put in charge to carry out the elections in African countries should be transparent. They should stand for the people because when they're not transparent, then that means that before the elections, that means that even during elections, there will be a lot of irregularities. That's why you see that there's a lot of control testing after the election results come out. Personally, I think that democracy is very good, is very important because it involves the participation of everyone. So democracy with itself brings a lot of good stuff. It brings the women involvement, women's rights. I believe that it is very important as our Africans, we start empowering our sisters, our mothers, so that they are able to hold these positions so that we can even put them as leaders, as our presidents, as, you know, like these top positions. I really think that we should support democracy. We should em- embrace it. And embrace it as something that has just been uh, bestowed upon us. Because uh, I know we come from a background where we have chiefs, where we have chiefs as our leaders. But I think we are above. Like this is, uh, we need to start thinking about modernization. When you think about modernization, I think we need to also bring in ideas like freedom of speech, freedom of expression. We women's rights, children's rights, you know, like the equality, trying to fight for equality. I think for me, I think we should embrace democracy. I know that a lot of people are very skeptical about the uh, exported systems to Africa, but I also think that there are certain things like democracy that needs to be embraced. There are certain things like quality that needs to be embraced. There are certain things like empowering of women that needs to be embraced. So once we embrace that, then we're going to make our planet better and we will be able to fight for injustices in other places. So, because it doesn't make sense if we as a continent or as a country in Africa are opposed
oppressing our own people, are oppressing the women, are oppressing the youths. And then we see the injustice, injustice being uh, done to our fellow African-Americans or people of African descent in Europe or in Asia and other places. There's no way our leaders are going to condemn that because they are also oppressing their own people. But if we embrace democracy, we embrace human rights, we embrace the Ubuntu spirit, then we are going to be the voice for everyone in the world. Because whenever, uh, for example, when George was killed, I think there was supposed to come a united sentiment, a united message from all African leaders that no person should be killed like that. No person should be killed like that. So that being said, I do think that we should embrace democracy. We should embrace development. We should embrace all good things that we can learn from the West, from Asia, from South America. I really think that we cannot just hold on to our old traditions that are not progressive, that are not going to bring development. I think that we should hold on to things that are good, like respect. Uh, everyone who's order, we need to respect them. Regardless of their arrest, regardless of their gender, we need to give them respect. I think we should embrace those culture as Africans and we should let go of things that are not going to bring development, that are not going to develop us as a people, as a Ubuntu group. So here Sharpie spoke in detail about the impact that colonial-influenced constitutions still have on the current electoral state throughout Africa, especially as it relates to voter suppression. He also discussed the impact of self-interested political parties and how that self-interest plays out in modern-day socioeconomic structures. I think that voting is very important. First, especially if we put it in the context uh, like in the United States, for a lot of African-American or people of African descent to start voting, they were, there was a lot of lobbying, there was a lot of uh, civil rights movement, a lot of people sacrificed their lives and other people even died uh, just to make sure that someone who looks like us, someone who looks like me, is able to vote in the United States. Why is it important that you should vote? There are many reasons why I think it is important that you should vote. But here is the most important reason that I feel. Even as you think about not voting, maybe this will change your mind and you should vote in these coming elections. One, the people who make the policies, the people who make the decision, the people who make the decision on how much you're going to be getting paid, on how much is your minimum wage, on how much you need to pay for insurance, and many other policies, it is made by the politicians. So if you decide that you're not going to vote, then that means that someone else with other ideologies and other ideas is going to decide for you. So voting is one way that you're going to show your ideas, that you're going to view your ideas indirectly because you're going to choose someone who has the same beliefs, the same norms, someone who's going to look out for you. So it is very it is very important that we, we all participate in voting. There's nothing like, no, my vote is just one, so it doesn't count. No, your vote matters and your vote is very, very important. So everyone who thinks that they might not participate in this year's elections, if it is in the United States or in next year's elections in Zambia or any other part of Africa, I feel that you are just not doing a favor to yourself because they're going to vote for someone who you do not agree with and that is going to affect your life a lot. So why is this important? Why do we 
feel like participating in election important. So like for example, let's give an example of the United States. The United States has about more than 3 million people. So there's no way everyone is going to go to Congress. So we need a representative, we need a senator, we need someone who's going to represent our views and our beliefs to go there. So that's how we vote. That's why we vote because we're choosing someone who's going to represent us, someone who's going to support us, someone who's going to protect us as a people. So I really think that it is important that you vote and not just going there to vote just because everyone is voting for whoever they're voting, but lead their ideology. Lead, are they going to benefit you educationally, health-wise? Are they going to benefit? What are their plans? What are their manifestos? So take time to read through whatever their manifestos are and then you should be able to make a light choice and the right decision. Your, Your vote is your right and your vote matters. So uh, during elections, there are a lot of biases uh, that might happen. There are a lot of uh, things that might cause you as a black person not to have access to a lot of stuff that will lead you to have a smooth voting. So you need to be proactive. Like you cannot just sit and say, oh, they're going to do this for me and I'll just go in and vote. No, you need to start reading. You need to start knowing what is supposed to be done. So for example, like this is a very interesting year because we have COVID-19 and uh, it has affected a lot of people, a lot of lives. So some people might be scared to go to vote in person. So they might want to use the post office, but you need to be very well informed. There are a lot of pulling and pushing that has been going on between uh, the Republicans and Democrats, like on how, uh, on voting using the post uh, office. So if it is something that is, is going to be impossible to use the post office, then you can start thinking on other alternatives. What can be done? Is there online voting? Is there sending in? Or what can I do for me to participate? Because I feel that this is very important that either way, whether you're going to use a post or it's going to be first-to-first first, first voting, I feel that it's very important that you participate. I would give examples in Africa. So next year, there'll be elections in uh, in Zambia. Um, I think in August, there'll be elections in Zambia. The Electoral Commission of Zambia, for some reason, they've decided to only give 30 days for people to vote. They've decided that everyone who had registered to vote like long time, they they need to change that and everyone is going to vote. So according to what I read in the newspaper, we have about 90, about nine, sorry, not 90, about nine million eligible voters and nine million eligible voters. There's no way they can all register within 30 days. So just that gives you a, a red light because it's showing that they're trying to suppress people. They're trying, by all means, that not all people are going to register just to vote and then also for some reason I, I, have, I have no idea why they're doing this there, I know there's some people in Zambia who have decided to sue the Electoral Commission of Zambia and then we're going to find out uh, the reason why the Electoral Commission has decided to only give 30 days and then so that everyone will be able to vote so that's voter suppression so if you are a Zambian and you're in Zambia and you're thinking about voting you need to follow this very critically because by the time you realize it might be past the voting day or 
something has happened, something has changed. So the, one of the barriers that might not allow you to vote if you're in Zambia is that you might miss out on the voter registration. So you need to be careful because if you haven't vote, uh, registered to vote, that means you can't vote. Uh, in many other countries, you'd find that I think Zambia is not just the only country where like they try to suppress voters uh, before the elections. Like they try by all means to use other means, intimidation uh, and other stuff that might try to make voters uh, not to go and vote on the polling day. But I want to tell you that this is your right and this is your uh, and this is your vote and your vote matters. So you have to make sure that you go out, you go there and vote and just be informed. I think it is very important to read what is going on because things keep on changing and uh, many times it's very difficult to beat an incumbent. Don't get don't get it twisted. You might be you might feel that a lot of people are going to vote let me say for the opposition or for the party that is not power at the moment but it's very difficult but the, because the people in power they try by all means to retain the power so they will do what all it takes for them to be in power until the people ask the people ourselves realize that this is what is happening and we go in force and we bring in a lot of people to vote that's the only time that we can see the change that we want if we want to change governments if we are unhappy with the current government then we all need to vote and it is very important that we understand these uh, barriers that will make us not to vote so that we can be proactive being proactive be informed and go and vote come november in the u.s come august in zambia and any other days in uh, any other election days in africa any country that is having elections this year and next year i would encourage everyone to go out there and vote because your vote counts your vote is your right and your vote matters Black folks couldn't vote for a long time, a very long time. And then when we did get the ability to vote, then Black women weren't able to vote right away. Um, and then after that, laws were put in place, such as laws that, that basically take away voting rights for people who have felonies and things of that nature. And we know how the police target Black people on that way and how that's the way that our vote was suppressed. And even I'm thinking now about um, Trump and how he changed the post general. And then I also think about um, misinformation that's, put in, that's being put out and how different people, such as politicians and different organizations are targeting the Black community when it comes to this misinformation. Um, I think about language when it comes to balance and things of that nature, how the language is very academic um, and it's very hard to understand even for people who are in that realm. So I think about things of that nature and I think um, there are multiple ways to really address voter suppression or the resistance. I think um, there needs to be more education when it comes to what's on the ballot and I think it needs to be distributed in a way that's actually tangible that every, everyone can understand. Because if I'm reading something on the ballot and I don't understand it, I'm just going to be like, ah, you know, next, whatever. So I think um, education, um, the language piece, I also think that we have to do whatever we can to make sure that our vote is counted, um, such as voting early. Um, you know, if you don't want to stand in line, you can sign off your ballot for someone else to deliver it for you. Um, I think we just have to be very creative and proactive um, in ways to get our vote counted. Um, so, yeah. 
Okay, so here we see that Sharpie discussed the importance of voting and emphasizing how our policymakers make decisions that directly impact our day-to-day lives. He touches on the idea that voting is a way of expressing your perspective and having your voice represented by those who are in positions of influence. At the same time, he warns against not voting as it can have significant consequences. So we also see that Kamani shared some interesting thoughts on how we can ensure our votes count in this election, focusing on the importance of requesting mail-in ballots before your respective state's deadline. Make sure to check your registrations, everyone. Kamani, as you know, over the last four years, fake news has become a popular term. Could you talk a bit about the prevalence of disinformation in the U.S. election cycle and why it's important that we are aware of efforts to misrepresent information and mislead voters? So as far as fake news and misinformation, I can't stand it at all. So I think one way that they um, target Black folks when it comes to um, false fake news or information that isn't real is they play on our emotions a lot. They know certain words will trigger us. Certain words will make us lean a certain way when it comes to our understanding or our acceptance of something. So I think one way that we can really challenge this misinformation and doing research. Research on our own. Even, you know, there are organizations out here that are like putting out ballot guides and things of that nature, but a lot of them are biased. And what I truly believe is that if we really believe in what we're doing, then we're going to put out the information in a way that isn't biased. We'll put out the information that supports our beliefs, the ones that don't support our beliefs, and then we'll let people decide on their own. I think there needs to be a stronger emphasis on research. What I've been seeing a lot especially on social media, is that things are being shared that are completely false. It doesn't even make sense. And people aren't doing research. So they're spreading this information and becoming a part of this business cycle of ignorance. So I think we need to also learn how to research things correctly. Researching something does not mean just, you know, looking up stuff that supports your beliefs already. You need to look up things that challenge your beliefs, things that are objective so you can, you know, come up with a very, can make very well-rounded decisions when it comes to what you're voting for. Yeah, you know, I'm big on research on your own. Don't believe what anyone has to say. Even if, you know, a politician, you trust them, um, research on your own. People have their own agendas, politicians, organizations, research on your own. We're also witnessing an unprecedented political moment for Black and African lives across the world. From your expertise, can you both weigh in on what you believe and expect for the future of Black civic participation worldwide? What are your hopes and possibilities Well, I am very excited that we're witnessing unprecedented political moment for Black and African lives across the world. I feel and think that a lot of people have realized that all lives won't matter until Black Lives Matter. We've seen the support that the Black Lives Matter movement has started getting worldwide, recognizing that injustice on a Black person is injustice on everyone. It is very, very, very important to realize and see that things are going to be better and we're going to change because for the longest time, the continent of our Africa, the descendants of Africa have experienced a lot of oppression. So we can talk about colonialism. Africa itself was colonized and a lot of bad stuff went on by the Europeans who colonized Africa and a lot of oppression and suppression happened during colonialism. Same applies to the slavery. The greatest resource that was 
got from Africa is not minerals, it's not the land and other stuff. I think the greatest resource that has got from Africa were, were the human beings, our brothers and sisters. So the oppression of the continent itself through colonialism and the oppression of the people who have got as slaves has really set back Africa. But we should not sit down and cry over things that happened. We should stand up and move and forge forward. We cannot keep on talking about colonialism. We cannot keep on talking about slavery. We should start thinking about how we're going to improve as a people, as Ubuntu group, as the people who are in Africa, as Africa as a continent, and also as the people who are descendants from Africa. That is not to say that we need to forget, because when you forget about history, it happens again. So we should not forget. We should learn from it. We should try by all means that it doesn't happen, that colonialism doesn't happen, happen again, that slavery doesn't happen again. But we should not put all our energy and all our thoughts and everything just concentrate on that. We should now start thinking on how we're going to move forward. How are we going to move forward? For I believe and expect for a better future for Black and Africans in general. I really think that starting from now, going forward, there will be a lot of Black civic participation worldwide. I don't think that we should just be participant. Like when it comes to the elections, we go and vote and all that. No, but I think that we should be also participating in holding these top positions. I am so proud. And every time I think about Barack Obama being the uh, first black president in the United States, that gives me hope for the world that we're going to have a better future for the black generation, for the Africans. Having the current director general of the World Health Organization, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, our brother is the director for the World Health Organization and is from Africa, the first person from Africa to hold that position. For me, I feel that that's what we should be looking for as African. For me, he is an aspiration to the young Africans, to all the generation, whether we are in Africa or we are descendants from Africa, I think that we should be emulating him. We should be looking forward to participate in these positions. I would would like to see a day when we're going to have the head of the World Bank from Africa, the head of the United Nations. Another person, uh, like we, I know we already had the Secretary General Kofi Annan from Ghana. Another person from Africa or a descendant of Africa who is maybe African-American or British-American to be in charge of this organization. That would be something that I look forward And I think we're not going to be given this for free. It's not going to come on a silver platter. We need to work hard towards it. We need to study. We need to be involved. We need to fight for this. Freedom does not just come freely. We need to fight for it. We need to work hard for it. And I believe that we as Africans are going to attend. We're going to be involved and participate in all civil on all civil duties. We're going to be leaders of these big organizations. I believe in a bright and better future of Africa. Because all these other places, we can talk about Asia, China, India, there are people who realize that we need to start investing for the future. I think that's what we need to start doing as Africans, as Africans on the continent and African descendants in diaspora. 
because it is very, very important that we start thinking about the future generation. What are they going to leave? How are they going to stay? So our leaders in, in the continent of Africa, they should also start thinking and stop oppressing our own people because, you know, when you oppress or suppress the people on the continent of Africa, it will be very difficult for our leaders to blame or condemn any injustices towards an African descent who's in diaspora. Like, for example, uh, George, uh, what happened to George when he was being killed? A lot of our leaders took time to respond or say anything because this is what is happening in our in our countries in Africa. So I feel that we need to be transparent. We need to build a strong Africa so that we'll be able to stand up and condemn whenever there's injustices, whenever we see a person being killed just because of the skin of their color. So I feel and think that if we work together, we work together as Ubuntu, we work together as as a people, we're going to have a better Africa and a better, well-informed and educated descendants from Africa. So for the future, I am very positive. I have hope that Africa will rise, that we're going to be a better Africa economically, politically, education-wise, and we're going to contribute, as we've always done in time memorial, we've contributed a lot to the world. But I also think that our contribution is going to be recognized as long as we work hard, as long as we work hard and make sure that we achieve whatever we put our minds on. This is our time. This is the time that we need to build for a future generation. We shouldn't be thinking about making ourselves rich now, about putting the money in the pocket, about just selfishness. We should be thinking about the next generation. What do we want to leave behind? What legacy are we leaving behind for our children in Africa, for the true, for a child who is an African descendant in the US, in the Americans, in Europe, in Asia, and everywhere. What legacy are we leaving? I have hope and I believe that we're going to have a better Africa as a continent and we're going to have a better people as descendants of Africa because we can and we will. So there are a few things. So first, um, I want to address what's happening right now in the U.S. with Trump being the president. Um, I know before we had Obama, we had Bush, we had other presidents. And, you know, they did good things. Some of them did horrible things. But because of Trump and how how horrible he is and how, you know, he's a white supremacist and how he allows and, you know, really praises police for murdering um, Black folks and whatnot. I think because we have a president who's so horrible, it's hard to ignore and to just stand back and do nothing. So I think um, that's really pushing um, people, especially Black folks, into voting. I know growing up, a lot of folks, you know, I don't really vote. It doesn't change anything. You know, I've even heard, you know, that's how white people think. It's how is voting a white people think. <laughs> so um, I think at this point, as far as in the U.S., we're at a point where black people cannot sit back and do nothing. Um, we cannot ignore what's going on. We have to vote. And I also believe what's going to come out of this is we're going to see um, a shift in how we vote. I know we do.
to the mail-in ballots and you have to go to the polling places. And right now what you're seeing is a lot of people, not only in the U.S., but around um, the world, are talking about how that method of voting is ineffective and how it's actually um, a part of voter suppression. You know, people have to work. And I know in the U.S., if you, you can get off work to vote, but a lot of people, jobs aren't letting that aren't letting people get off to vote. A lot of people just don't want to go to the polls. A lot of people don't pay attention to their mail. So I think there's going to be a shift in how like we're going to vote. And I also think what we're going to see is um, a shift in, I would say, demographics when it comes to who's actually in these political seats. Right now, we have a lot of older folks. And um, I'm not ageist. I believe, you know, there is um, benefits to having older folks in these seats and their experiences. They see things differently, but I also think they're out of touch with the community. They don't know what the community needs. They don't know what the community wants because a lot of these politicians, you know, they've been in the community. A lot of them haven't, but times are different from when they grew up. So what I think we're also going to see is a rise in people who are younger getting into these seats. Um, so I'm very, very excited about that. I've seen a lot of younger folks um, running and whatnot. And yeah, that's what I'm hopeful for. <laughs> So as you both know, at Ubuntu, our mission is to bring African people from all over together because we believe that we're better together than we are apart. If you could speak to every diaspora member, what do you believe we need to know to make sure that as a people, we seize this moment and make our voices heard at the polls? The spirit of Ubuntu, I am because we are manifestors in democracy because what I do, I don't want to arm the other person. So the people to be ruled by the people for the people which is democracy and Ubuntu I am because we are that combines because in both democracy it's about the people and also in Ubuntu it's not about I but we so that makes it very collective that we should embrace democracy as a continent as a as individual countries in Africa so that it is very important because there'll be a lot of participation one thing I would say is that our challenges are different but they're very similar what you'll see across different cultures you know you can be black with my different culture and I think a lot of people don't understand that. They think, you know, you black, you black. And a lot of times people default to black being black American, which is, that's a whole different thing. And I feel like it's a bit entitled and disrespectful, but that's a different thing. So I believe um, right now what we have to do is come to a point where we don't see our struggles as inherently separate, but see them as intertwined and really support each other in this moment. I'm thinking about, and it's interesting, I'm thinking about Pastor Sauls right now, who's an organizer. He does um, global organizing, not just in the U.S., but he's actually from Johannesburg. So he does organizing over there and then um, other countries. And I remember we were having a conversation and he was talking about how when it came to the civil rights um, movement in the U.S., um, Black people from all over the world, all over the world, were looking at the civil rights movement and they were um, using that as inspiration. So what I think 
I think what Black people across different cultures should be doing right now is drawing inspiration and energy from each other rather than looking at the movements as separate. I think that we should be inspiring each other in a new way instead of comparing different struggles. While I think that across different Black cultures, our struggles are similar, um, they're also different. I think that what we see a lot is, and I'll just speak for, I think as a global movement, we need to become more connected, draw energy and inspiration from each other, but also realize that the way one culture may answer, um, have one culture's answer to an issue may not be the answer for another one. We hope you all found this conversation informative and enlightening. As elections near in the U.S. or abroad, make sure that you're getting ahead of the game, requesting a mail-in ballot if you intend to vote remotely. This is a unique election cycle unlike any we've seen before, and we'd love to hear from you, our listeners, on how you're navigating the season. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook and let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Ubuntu Pod and on Facebook at the Ubuntu Podcast. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. You can listen to us on both Apple and Spotify as well.